Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Get ready, Ohio. FanDuel, America's number one sports book, is coming to the Buckeye State. And to kick things off, you can get started with $100 in free bets as an early sign-up bonus. Plus, when you sign up today with promo code OHIOFD, you'll be all set when FanDuel goes live in Ohio. Then you can bet on all your favorite teams in all your favorite sports with $100 in free bets. Just download FanDuel's top-rated sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Ohio, this is your chance to get in on the action. Join today with promo code OHIOFD. Make every moment more with FanDuel, official sportsbook partner of the NFL. 21 or older and present in Ohio. Bonus issued in non-withdrawable free bets that expire seven days after FanDuel accepts its first real money sports wager in Ohio. one Unique user identity verification required. Offer ends on the go-live date. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. You may start noticing there are strange tall boys of beer in the bottled water section of your local stores. Well, that's not beer. It's actually mountain spring water from the Alps, and it's called liquid death. Why is this water called liquid death? Well, because it will brutally murder your thirst, and their infinitely recyclable tall boy cans are helping to bring death to plastic bottles. They also donate 10% of the profits from every can sold to help kill plastic pollution. Those aluminum cans it comes in are recyclable and actually profitable for recycling facilities so they won't just end up in your local landfill like plastic bottles. Go get Liquid Death at your local Woodman's, 7-Eleven, Roundies, or Hy-Vee, or find Liquid Death re- retailer near you with their store locator tool at liquiddeath.com front slash film study. That's liquiddeath.com front slash film study. Hi, folks. Welcome to another episode of Film Study. This is Ken McCusick. Uh, we're here to talk about another of our concerns episode uh, this week. And, and it was a concern that actually showed up in the week one game against the Jets. And that was pace to the line of scrimmage. And here with this topic and to join us and kind of lead us through it is Alec Pulianis of One Winning Pod. Alec, how you doing? Doing well, Ken. I think it's really funny how this all played out for us. You know, you did the original ask for concerns. I mentioned left guard because it was front of mind. But I think before the season started and like at the end of last season, we discussed pace of play and the, how that would be a, an improvement that the Ravens could make in the offseason. And we actually tried to maybe record this episode before the first game, but because of uh, your travel to the game and just the scheduling of it all, we, we couldn't do it. So mm-hmm. I, we, we both said, 
However, we do feel like whatever offense they show the first week will not uh, alleviate any of our concerns. And then I thought it was wild to hear everyone in the media, and by everyone I mean the actual staff and, and players, Harbs, Giro, and Lamar all brought this up as a way that they can improve. And I was like, oh, that's really interesting. Because I didn't think in the Miami game it was particularly bad. Like, not any worse than it's been in other in, games. In the Jets or in the or, Miami sorry, game? Like I'm yes. sorry, yeah, the Jets. Yeah, I'm thinking ahead to uh, Sunday. <laughs> yeah, the, the Jets game, I didn't think it was particularly bad. But I did think it wasn't improved. Yeah, I, I, I would agree with that. Uh, one thing that's very funny about going to game with Maureen is she's on both teams about uh, clock violations. So if there's if there's a chance of a delay of game, she's like, they got to snap it, they got to snap it. Or call it, call it, throw the flag. <laughs> if, the, if the Jets are so. So we, we, you, know, you get a sense of that. Uh, what I think the, the Ravens haven't done is take advantage of what Lamar could do at the line of scrimmage. Mm-hmm. I certainly, I, you know... I, maturing into a quarterback who reads the defense well and is a, is a player who could uh, check into a different play, and you deny yourself that option when you get to the line of scrimmage with five or six seconds left. You do, and, I, and I've heard some people think that, oh, maybe this is intentional in Giro to like not let him get off of, <laughs> I guess, like what his, his grand plan is. But I think that's just general like Giro hating and not really uh, based in reality. I think everything points to them trying to give Lamar the ability to perform at the highest level he can. Um, and I think everyone's in agreement, it sounds like, that getting to the line of scrimmage faster, getting the calls out faster, better communication is paramount to getting to that step. Yeah, you, the only thing I can think of is the Ravens have slowed down games a lot. They're tremendous pace controllers. And even though this last week wasn't a very good example with 79 to 53 out snapping by the Jets... Uh, the, and no drive longer than six plays. That's not the Ravens' way. They have typically won football games in the in the Jackson era. They typically way out snap their opponents with good defense and very efficient offense, churning out first downs at a high rate on a per series basis, per series of downs. So I, I think that one of the things that they may have been trying to do in the in the first you know, since from 18 to 21 or 18 to 20, maybe is to, is to not hurry the pace of the line of scrimmage. So they make sure they're maximizing the clock. Why would that be a big difference? Well, normally I wouldn't say it's a, it, it, it would hurt to get to the line of scrimmage early for that, but you do have to have your offensive linemen hold their water during that time. And, and really it's not just the offensive line. You can get false starts from wide receiver, from other places on the field. And you know, it's, it is something to be avoided. I suppose it's the only tiny mitigating factor i can see to wanting to get people to the line of scrimmage late is it doesn't cause anxiety at the line that can that can uh cause penalties i i don't disagree with what you're saying because i do think in the ravens perfect world they get to a nice lead and then they just grind out the run game efficiently knock out the clock and get the heck out of there right but i think what the reason this is coming up is that the run game hasn't been there it wasn't there against the jets it wasn't there all last year due to all those circumstances. So the question is like, you got to, do you, well, do you have to adapt to the fact that you're not able to impose this running game and grind out the game like that? I think that's the, maybe one of the issues is that the offense in its perfect scenario doesn't necessarily need to have this uh, faster aligned piece in its back pocket because they're hoping, you know, not to get there. But I, I do think personally, and this kind of was the 
impetus when I was thinking about it, when this came to my mind, is I was thinking to myself, well, we're talking about doing these jumbo sets or, you know, 12, 13 personnel, bringing in the tight ends, creating mismatches. And if we identify that mismatch, are we going to be able to actually execute and keep those players on the field, get back to the line, and not allow a substitution? And we really haven't seen that out of this offense. It's meaning it's a substitution heavy offense. It, they they still have a lot of in and out. They're not Correct. maybe like the Saints a few yes. years ago that were five in five out on a lot of plays, but they're like a uh, uh, you know they, they they Mark Andrews for example in in some of his big years the past has been on the field for not all that many snaps, um, but he's a high percentage target when he is on the field, meaning a high percentage of the passing plays when he's on the field he gets the football mm-hmm. designated receiver kind of. Kind of thing, yeah. I, I think if if you're going to switch personnel on, on a play by play basis, then you uh, and and you know tire out the opponent and get get to them that way, then you do probably have to uh, take more time getting the line of scrimmage. And even if you decide you want to get to the line of scrimmage quickly, you're not going to be able to keep the defense the defense from making a personnel change. So you want to run no huddle. You want to run those kind of concepts. You you have to. You have to do it with your current eleven on the field. Keep the same eleven on the field, right? Uh, and and you know that is that's one of the things about the quick the line of scrimmage that is very appealing is that the Ravens have been so good the last few years in terms of being a two minute offense that they've been very effective at using the clock well about getting first downs in that period. You know, Mark Andrews. That's some of the time he shined the most is during that that uh, last two minutes of the first half. In particular, last two minutes of the game too, but last two minutes of the first half in particular, and you know that's obviously a time where you're trying to get the line of scrimmage quickly. Right? Isn't that interesting, right, Ken? Like you get, you have the two minute offense that's super effective. Uh, you know, no substitutions, just get to the line, call the next play, execute. But during the rest of the game, like that, uh, that pace of play is just not really seen at all. It's a totally, it's almost a totally different offense and i think it's nice talking to you about this because i never really thought about it until kind of communicating with you but yeah the way that they run their offense the kind of uh swaps they do make changes to personnel play by play that doesn't allow for it to be much faster like it's it's uh by necessity going to be a little bit heavier to get to the line right if you if you're going to get to the line in in with 18 seconds left or something like the Patriots always wanted to do with the Colts of the you know mid 2000s wanted to do with Manning um, then you almost have, any new players that come into the game that the play has to be called on the sideline for them if that's happening you know you're going in and this is you know red right 21 or whatever you kind of thing and, and if you're if you're um, uh, if you're making the calls in the huddle you still have limitations based on how far those players got from the line on the last play that are probably not insignificant. So the ball gets spotted, the, the wide receivers aren't back in the huddle by that point. And then you 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 know the, the 25 second clock starts rolling and and you know you got to get those guys back into the huddle before you can really call the play. And then the other uh, you know competing constraint you're working on on with is Roman relaying the play down into Lamar's helmet. And if there are questions, there may be there may be yet another uh, bottleneck they face. Yeah, and, and the other question, right, is because Roman's up in the booth, I don't know what kind of communication he's able to have with the sideline and like orchestrating getting the next mm-hmm. group of people, you know, ready to go in. 
And yeah, like you said, if you're making the substitution, okay, you have to like tell the people on the sideline to go in and how much of it is him pre-calling the next play or having an idea, well, if we get five yards here, I'm going to call this play. If we get, you know, no yards or a sack, I have to change my play, right? Like there's there's always that aspect too of the next play is dependent kind of on the play before. So it just wonder, like it makes you wonder how many, you know, tiny transactions have to happen in that time slot that they have to get back to the line that kind of add up. That's a good point. So you're, particularly during any kind of a scripted sequence, which could be the beginning actually of any drive, but it definitely could be the, the beginning of the game and the beginning of the half. Uh, if you have a scripted sequence and you stay on schedule by down and distance, then you've got an opportunity to, to just continue with a second play call without anybody not really knowing what's going on. You know, they, they go to the line of scrimmage. That's where a lot of tendency type stuff comes up is that uh, other teams look at tendencies and defensive coordinators look at tendencies and they try and say, well, in second and two situations, what do they typically do? And, and a lot of that's actually, you know, a pre-called on schedule play mm-hmm. uh, that they that they may have that uh, that they do that. And of course, I guess it, it, it's certainly possible they would, you know, enter a branching diagram where they would have two different plays. If it's third and six, if we have an incomplete pass on this play, it's going to be something. If it's third and two, it's going to be something. And if it's you know, first and 10 again, it's going to be something. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So, yeah, I think it, I do think it's interesting. I think uh, if I had to kind of bullet point the reasons that this is uh, an interesting concern that may not have a, a clear immediate answer is you have the running game uh, that's been irreliable. Let's say that it, it will, it's been less likely to keep you on schedule lately, mm-hmm. right? You might have a divergence because of the running game being less effective than you were hoping. You also have the, the personnel changes that we like doing that by definition are going to slow things down. And then I guess you have the last piece of just the overall logistics of how we run our team with, with Giro up in the booth, which I actually don't think is a bad idea. Mm-hmm. I, I, I honestly don't mind. I guess now we're talking about this communication aspect that might be lacking. That is an interesting problem that I haven't really thought too much about. But just from the pure being able to watch the game, call the plays, understand what's going on, I think he has the best seat in the house, right, to like really do that. And I, and I respect and understand why he would want to be up there. So, yeah, I think that's those are the kind of the three reasons I think that this is a more complex problem. It can't just be, oh, they get up there faster. I think that one of the big areas of this pipeline that they can improve is communicating to the play, to the players on the field, and getting to the line. Because they definitely spend a decent amount of time at huddle. If they can cut down on that, that will give them the more time to get to the line, see the defense, understand what they're trying to do to you, and maybe make a substitution or, a, well, not sub, but, a, a, you know, uh, audible out of that. Yeah, I, I, as you're talking about this, this is a really basic operations research problem. So you're doing you're doing multiple things at the same time that, that have potentially cost you time in a competing manner. So you're trying to make substitutions, and you're trying to call a play. And those things may compete with each other. It may be that it creates a different critical path for getting to the line of scrimmage in terms of the amount of time you use that but you know making a substitution it takes you four seconds to get that guy into the into the thing it takes you six seconds to get a play called under normal circumstances but then also you got to consider that a new player on the field has to be told that play and so you can't you you you, you lose something in their ability to hear the play right away or you have to anticipate for additional time i would love for them to really understand what is slowing them down they probably know but there have to be other experts on this, guys that are unemployed now who used to work with the Colts 
or with you know other teams who, who really tried to run it fast that could break it down and say, look, he, here were our elements that we focused on during the week to make sure we could get the line of scrimmage at 18 seconds. And the first was getting the play call in. And, and we had a simplified set of play calls and we'd let Manning and Brady call up the line. That's one thing that may actually be something that Roman is not willing to give up on, is allowing Lamar to, uh, you know, they, they, they come up in a formation and then Lamar calls the play at the line of scrimmage. They may, he may not want to do that. So it may be something that, that uh, uh, you know, they're going to take longer to get to the line of scrimmage. Not maybe because he doesn't want any audibles. That's not really what I'm saying. But because he, he doesn't want Lamar to have the full playbook at his hands to make different play calls at the line of scrimmage. That's like expensive too, right? Just the, mm-hmm. the mental load of having to think about all that. But mm-hmm. I also think if you think about just the roster construction, we spent a lot of our resources on the defense as far as veteran players goes. So you're dealing with a much younger crew of players on the offense that it might be a larger responsibility to be like, okay, we're going to go to the line. We're going to call it all up there. You know, it's, that just becomes more complicated. So just because of our roster construction and, you know, the most elder wide receiver we had before Demarcus Robinson was what, three years in the league, <laughs> you know, Crochet, right? Yeah, yeah. Like three years in the league, like, uh, and, and, and truly just hasn't played that much. Like the amount of snaps they've had, not that high, uh, decent amount of our line is, um, well, I guess this younger. year it's a, it, it, it's a little bit older, but, uh, in the past it's been kind of a little bit younger, right? You know, yeah, you still have Cleveland, Linderbaum, potentially on that line who are, who are earlier players, but uh, Stanley hasn't played. So that's one of your veterans out. And then you have Moses and Zeitler who are ancient. So you have yeah. guys who, who I, I'm sure could adapt to whatever system you want to run. Sure. Yeah, so I think that's interesting too. Just thinking about the personnel and their years of experience and what they might actually be comfortable with, like even outside of Lamar, right? Right. Wouldn't you, wouldn't you love to see it? And I know you're a tech guy, and diagrams yeah. that take you through processes, or just flowcharting for for sure. a program, for example. Mm-hmm. It, it, this is the kind of thing that would lend itself to this sort of research very well. And uh, you know, the, the program that comes to mind immediately is Microsoft Project. Mm-hmm. In terms of a and, and it's been, chart, <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah, it's been a long time. Or or, or the uh, you know anything that, that that gives you a critical path. The Gantt chart is the one where you list the tasks line by line. That's yeah. the way that IT people always do it. I hate that. Yeah, well, oh the, well God, it has, also has like the flow, right? Like there's like the I think there's it has that within the within the within the software. But I always like the the visual accountability that I would mm-hmm. get by trying to have people buy into projects with a flowchart type approach mm-hmm. um, that would then have you know critical dates that had to be met I always I, I to me visual accountability is is great people always if it's in a Gantt chart format if they have the, the just a, I know I'm sorry Gantt chart is bars that yeah. are offset yeah maybe yeah. Gantt chart is the best for the for the football thing now that I think about it that, yeah. that, that, that well it's like kind of like a Gantt chart and also like my my actual like computer engineering, like actual architecture of a chip is coming to mind mm-hmm. and like all the interesting buffers that are in the way and like the, the different pipelines and like the bottlenecks you have there too. So it's funny, like having this conversation like almost brings me back to college and like thinking about <laughs> <like> chip <laughs> architectures, <laughs> like, Oh yeah, it's, it, it, there's a, a lot of competing resources to try mm-hmm. to get this done. Right. Like right. you can say, Oh, I wanted it to be done this way, but the cost of doing it that way or what you actually give up in order to execute that with today's technology, it doesn't actually benefit. Like you can't actually have it all. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so that uh, is it, interesting kind of having that, 
you know, your professional career and this, uh, you know, thinking about the Ravens, like almost align <laughs> when you think about some of these problems. I certainly feel the same way about that, but I, I understand what you're saying. Uh, yeah, I, 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 it's certainly, it is something the Ravens could study, though. If they wanted to figure out how to get to the line of scrimmage, they, they could. If they wanted to figure out what was really keeping them from maintaining control of the play call uh, and still getting the line of scrimmage and allowing for certain checks to occur, they could figure that out. If, if they wanted to become a, a team that went to the line of scrimmage and had two or three plays that they could check into. And, and all you really, I, I mean, I think this is true, but all you really need to do is have a play you can call in pretty much any specific down and distance situation. So, mm-hmm. and, and that's, you know, very generalized. So if it's anywhere between second and six and second and nine, for example, your, your backup play is always some run or some pass other than what you would run normally. And I don't know exactly how they do it. I, I really don't in, in terms of checking to a different play. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know if they have, you know, 10 is called in the huddle as, as what the alternative play will be if we're not calling this mm-hmm. kind of thing. But uh, it's it, it certainly, it, it'd be an interesting topic to really study and understand at a different level. It makes me wonder how many different roles there are in the organization, right? Like what, what all... What are all the jobs that are held by various coaches and coordinators and this and that? Because is it anyone's job to be thinking about this? Or is it just like an overarching thing of the offensive coordinator, right? Or, it has to be a quality control job somewhere, I would think. Right. You would think. And I, I, I do think that it exists. But it's just funny because, you know, you think of it as, oh, like, surely the Ravens organization is just like, you know, uh, the general coaches for each position group and, you know, some trainers, this, that, and the other. But then you start thinking about it. It's like there's all these other, like, sub-logistics of it all not just like you know the cafeteria staff and you know equipment and all that like that that all is a whole nother ball of wax but just even like the other idiosyncrasies of how the team actually runs and works outside of like mm-hmm. scouting department like it, it is interesting like how big of a machine this could become and one thing i was thinking about ken when I'm talking about the subject with you is uh do we know what kind of communication is allowed in the nfl as far as you know the green dot to lamar and and Roman, but can Roman talk to? I imagine Roman can talk to Harbs, but is there anyone else he can the talk headset, to? Yeah, yeah. The headset is a loop. It's got a lot of people on it, and and I'm sure they have real strict radio silence rules. But for example, uh, when Matt Weiss used to be here, uh, he, he would handle some in-game decision making. I'm sure they have other in-game analytics types yeah. that are on the line. Um, I don't I don't really know how many total people they have, but I'm I'm guessing it. You know. It, it could be eight. It could be twenty, but it's 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 not just two or three. Sure. I'm wondering how noisy they. All right. Uh, <laughs> just like if I can ask you people. a quick quick question yeah. here. Turn off your video for a second because we're, we might be getting some lag here, oh, okay. and I want to make sure this syncs. Let me do this. All right. But anyway, it's uh, yeah. It, it'd be a lot of people is the is the simple answer, and uh, uh, I think yeah. I. I, I I really don't know what the rules are, so I'm not going to speak to it. But but I know that they're they're probably you know you got to be asked a question if you speak, and you're not one of the primary people who is supposed to have control, like the coordinator or Harbaugh or somebody oh, okay. else. Interesting. Yeah. Very cool. Well, that's kind of all, all right. I had to talk about, Ken. Yeah. All right. Well, good topic. I mean, it's 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 really interesting, and and maybe that'd be a fun thing to do. I wonder how you would you would break this down study wise, because there's only certain things we have a- access to. 
But if you went back and you looked at some of the Patriot teams that were that were very fast to the line of scrimmage or some of the Colts teams and try to figure out what they were doing step by step would be interesting. But I think I think that generally what I've heard is call a formation and then call a play at the line of scrimmage. And so you can see, you know, if if Roman is not entirely comfortable with Lamar having full control of the playbook at the line of scrimmage, then he might not be okay with that. Right. All right. All right. Well, Alec, always a pleasure to talk football with you, my friend. Uh, tell folks where they can find your work online. Sure. You can find us at One Winning Pod. And I want to plug the YouTube channel because I think this uh, audience would really appreciate some of the work that uh, my co-host Peter has been doing. He's been doing this history corner every Friday. You can wake up uh, on Purple Friday and, and hear some history. So last week was about playing um, previous Ravens quarterbacks, like when the Ravens play their old quarterbacks and this year or um, this week was all about the top five turnovers generated by our defense um, against Miami. So pretty cool topic. It's really cool. His like encyclopedic knowledge of Ravens history and uh, remembering all these plays. So I really enjoy watching them. And I think uh, a lot of your listeners would as, as well. Oh, probably. So Ed Reed's interception against Miami is going to be on that. Level, <laughs> sure. Yes, it was. <laughs> all right. Well, fair enough. All right, my friend, uh, other folks out there, if you want to uh, talk football with me online, do a film study short, uh, please hit me up, DM on Twitter. I'd love to hear from you, and I'll get back to you real quickly. We try and do one or two even per week uh, during the season, although there is a heavy uh, regular scheduled load of shows. Make sure you're looking for those offensive and defensive pods that come out Monday or sorry, Monday and Tuesday uh, uh, on uh, Monday for the defense, uh, Tuesday for the offense, Wednesday is Know Your Foe, Thursday is by the numbers, and then beginning Friday we have other uh, other topics like concerns or other uh, uh, shorts we'd be doing. Uh, one more thing this year we've we've done two things with regarding the offense and defense shows because they were getting very long and people don't seem to mind it. I'm still trying to attract new listeners, and in in so doing, I want to create content that's not um, intimidating in terms of length. So I've been breaking those into two episodes. Hope that folks are okay with that. Uh, and otherwise, I think that is it. Alec, thanks again for joining us. Thanks for having me, Ken. We'll talk to you next time on Film Study. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.